Part 2. Develop. Go to the ant you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8. Chance favors the prepared mind. Louis Pasteur. The goal of this section is to help you take time to think about your business, what it will need, research the competition, consider options, get outside opinions, and create a structure and order that's efficient, streamlined, and flexible to the market in unforeseen circumstances. Chapter 4, Day 3, Designing Your Structure. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 and 11 through 13. But all things should be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. Main takeaway. Structure defines what operations are needed and what tasks are involved to ensure your business runs smoothly. The framework of the seven days was first suggested to me by a mentor as God's blueprint for our lives. It took me a while to appreciate it, but once I dove in and started applying it, I realized there was way more to it. I saw how day one vision related to the power of our words, and I started thinking about how to apply this into our context. I wondered why we should even care about this for our lives. As I discussed this with others and I saw myself getting out of sequence, I knew I needed a better understanding of the playbook. Somewhere I got the idea to go back to the beginning and read Genesis. All I knew was I needed to get myself and my life in order. My relationship and business struggles showed me a lack of a plan, so I could tell I needed discipline to first slow down and start evaluating what I was doing wrong. When I came upon the God-given blueprint right in the beginning of the Bible, it seemed obvious this framework had to be there for some something greater than myself. Soon, it dawned on me that this was a model for building a better, more ordered life. Over time, God showed me how the sequence of creation could apply to literally everything that really matters in life. Love, work, school, time, finances, and relationships. When I was a kid, I knew I needed more than I'd had. Even as a young man, I knew this. I'll never forget how exciting it felt to remember a moment when God revealed to me when I was young a vision of myself that I would be very successful one day. I gained some early successes too, so it was very confirming to me, and I believe that memory from childhood set me on a course of success. More than once, it has kept me from giving up after a big failure. Case in point, this story. When I was 20 and still working in network marketing, I had the opportunity to partake in a company expansion into Malaysia. It was the usual pitch of a ground floor opportunity with huge upside for minimal investment. I had big ambitions, but not much of a plan, and I ended up having a panic attack from culture shock after being there only one day. I lost significant time, money, and confidence trying to hurry things along on my own, but by God's grace, I got back home 
and that set the stage for learning one of the most valuable lessons of my life. Before that trip, I had no idea what I was missing, but soon I saw I needed a better support structure for my big ideas and dreams. My real ground floor opportunity was staring me in the face. It was becoming more available to God. This is when things really started to take off for me. My trouble before was, as I said, I didn't have a structure or appreciate the order of things or the core value of availability. I was just trying new idea after new idea to make money. I've since learned from experience that God gives to us more according to our ability, which is made up of three things, our availability, the responsibility we are willing to take on, and the accountability we are willing to have in our life. The parable of the talents provides one of the best lessons in how we can increase, and when I say how God gave to me according to my ability, it's clear looking back on why I had so many highs and lows in my different business endeavors. I didn't know what was wrong, and it wasn't until I started making myself more available to God and meditated on what He values and His created order that I started really growing. On the third day of creation, God formed the earth. There are two specific things God accomplished on day three. One is the separation of land from the waters, and the second was creating vegetation. These weren't random acts. This was deliberate organization for the continuance of life. The water God gathered together he called seas, and within each form of vegetation he put seeds, each according to its kind. Life as we can recognize it began on day three, and God saw that it was good. Translation, God created structure. What is structure? A structure is merely the support for something you build, so it's easy to undervalue. But once you have your vision and you understand what your surroundings involve and what atmosphere you want to have, it's time to get a plan down on paper for what your structure will look like and begin creating it. We were all created to create. That's God-given. But so many people look for and fulfill that desire in less meaningful pursuits. A common definition of entrepreneurship could be where self-driven individuals participate in a free market economy for the purpose of controlling resources and creating wealth to further their interest. I define kingdom entrepreneurship as exercising God-given dominion and stewardship over God's resources to serve others profitably and create benefit for the kingdom of God. I see the seven-day sequence as a primary blueprint for creating or building anything, financial, personal, or relational. In a very real way, we can see God as the first creative entrepreneur, giving us a blueprint on how to operate as creatives in the world. Earlier, I pointed out that the first thing God reveals about himself in scripture is that he is creative. In Genesis, he brings something out of nothing and order out of chaos, and he creates for the good of others. I would submit that an entrepreneur is anyone who takes a risk to create something new for the good of others. Becoming Disciplined Entrepreneurs The word originally meant to undertake, but entrepreneur is a title thrown around so much today. It has been difficult to pin down. Using the idea of entrepreneurship is risking creating something for the good of others. I believe the creator of the universe certainly qualifies as the first entrepreneur. In Genesis, he is clearly creating something new for others that's risky. 
Before creation, we're told the earth was formless and empty until the first entrepreneur spoke. Then in six days, his voice brought forth the heavens, the earth, light, evening, morning, sky, land, sea, vegetation, sun, moon, stars, animals, and man. Following in the footsteps of the original entrepreneur, we are called to create. So often, we think of work as a curse, as something God made us do after we got kicked out of the garden. But what if work is actually part of his image? What if it's an invitation to create and build alongside the ultimate entrepreneur? What if work is something God gave us as a vehicle through which we can enjoy his presence? I'd like to suggest that what made the Garden of Eden so special wasn't the absence of work. It was the presence of the perfect co-worker. You see, I believe before things took a turn, God and his created beings worked together. What if the perfect vision of work is not that we can be free of it entirely, but that we can be united in purpose, passion, and pursuit with God? What if we were called to work not out of punishment or duty, but an entrepreneurial partnership as part of God's original design. Some may object to this idea, but actually in Genesis 2 verse 5, the Hebrew word used for work is avad, which means to work, serve, and even worship. God made us to work for him, and he wants to work with us. He wants us to create like him and with him. He wants to start, share, and complete new projects and ideas with us. He didn't leave Adam alone to tend to the Garden of Eden, and he doesn't ask us to work in isolation. Interestingly, God placed Adam in the garden to work it and take care of it, but the Bible doesn't say that God actually commanded him to do so. To work and keep it was simply part of the DNA of being human, of our function and purpose in the universe. God commanded Adam to eat from any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but the command to work wasn't even necessary. God uses us to bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. As entrepreneurs, we get to take the potential of the earth and creatively make it better. With our inspirer, our creations can bring order out of chaos, can solve problems, seize opportunities, rally against different injustices and create dignity and opportunity for those who interact with our creations. Now, how exactly we do that, whatever our given focus and vision, is all about what we set up as the structure that will support the order of the business we conduct. God has given us this blueprint to model, almost like a map. In creating the map of our life, it's important to know two things. It's important to know where we want to go or be, which is the vision, but the only way I can draw a map to, to get there is to know where I am currently, which is why it is crucial for us to be honest with ourselves and check our vital signs every now and then. So take a moment to check your vital signs. Financial, are you bringing in money and being a good steward? Spiritual, are you connected to God and his word? Emotional. Do you have a handle on all the emotions you feel during the day? Relationships. Are you aligned with the right people and how do you treat those people? Mental. Are you overwhelmed or have you created a system to accomplish tasks and bring you closer to your vision? Physical. How well are you taking care of your body? 
Once you know where you are right now, you can create a structure to improve the areas that are lacking. If your vision is clear, you have the atmosphere needed to cultivate greatness. The next step is to set up the systems to carry out your vision. Creating structure. On the third day, God continued to work off the atmosphere he created on day two. At this stage, the whole earth was still completely covered by water. If you had been there, you would have seen nothing but ocean, no land of any sort. Did you know that according to the U.S. Geological Survey, if you leveled out the earth's surface today, you'd see there's enough water in the oceans to cover the entire planet to a depth of almost two miles. Picture God commanding the dry land to appear. Parts of the ocean floor began rising up out of the water and kept on going until rolling hills were formed in some places, as well as great stretches of land in other places. At the same time, other parts of the ocean floor sank down to form underwater valleys and basins, so that the water drained off the land and into one place. A big point on this I always want to remind you is God did all this by the mighty power of his word. Did you know that seashells have been found near the top of Mount Everest? It was once low enough to be under the sea. On day three, God spoke again and commanded the land to produce all kinds of plants. If you had been there, you would have seen green grass, tall palm trees, and other vegetation spring up from the ground. God made the first plants all fully grown, but each kind with its own particular seed. This was so they would reproduce themselves and not something else. Grapevines did not change into mango trees, and peanuts did not change into coconuts. Earth was now a very beautiful place. God had a good look at all that he had made. He was pleased with what he had saw, and he declared it to be good. Notice that day two is the only day in which God does not expressly say of his work, it was good. Reference Genesis Chapter 1, verses 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, and 25. It cannot mean that the second day's work was not good, but it does seem to imply that the work of day two was an incomplete step toward making the earth habitable. He created the atmosphere, but it was incomplete because no living creature could live yet. You can have an atmosphere that destroys or one that produces life. The stage of creation that began on day two wasn't complete until day three, when dry land emerged from the water and the earth was made fit for living things. At that point, the world was finally shaped into a habitable condition, and then God pronounced his verdict. It was good. In business, like in marriage, it's important to have a plan and meet regularly to discuss this plan. If you've established an atmosphere of open acceptance and grace— that's good. Now you can create a good business plan. If the atmosphere is bad, it's inevitable you will create a bad business plan. That's why it is so important to follow the process that God set out in his seven-day model. What's your company structure? What's your product or service? Have you done any market research or analysis on where to plant those seeds, aka your marketing, to then ultimately reproduce according to its kind. From there, I like to take it to a next step to a business playbook, which is basically a list of all of your company's processes, policies, and standard operating procedures in one place. 
It also outlines exactly how your business does what it does down to each role, responsibility, business strategy, and differentiator. It leaves nothing to guess. Regardless of size or industry, every business needs a business playbook to run smoothly and scale successfully. It should be filled with all your documented processes, policies, and procedures. After all, championship sports teams win because they have the right players and a solid playbook. Scaling your business is no different. You can't scale a company with one or two superstars. Business is a team effort. Yes, you need a roster filled with top talent, but you also need all of your top plays documented so your processes and policies exist outside your head and anyone can run them. That way, what your business does is scalable beyond just you. Most importantly, it can run without you. I remember when I was trying to get my daughter Ellie to get into sports. We had her try out for soccer. She was more concerned about the butterflies and not getting kicked than she was about the ultimate goal to score a goal. They didn't have a playbook, which ended up having everyone running after the ball and crashing into each other. Not that it was vital to win at this young level, but this is a forever mental picture for me of trying to win versus having a game plan to win. Not to mention, most of the kids had no interest in even being there, which would be your atmosphere, let alone a desire to win, which would be your vision. Imagine you're out sick this week and none of your responsibilities are documented, or your team doesn't know where the documentation is. That means your responsibilities don't happen. Or it means the rest of your team guesses how to do things, and they'll likely make a mistake. While making a mistake on, say, a, a social post might not be a big deal, a mistake in payroll could be. This is the importance of having a clear structure in place for anything you are looking to create and grow. Without it, you can't be as effective or responsive to normal fluctuations. Now, the last thing about day three I'd like to point out is this. Just like God created land first and then vegetation, each with its own seed according to its kind, we can think about the product or service we're offering as our specific seeds. This will be useful when we get to day four to determine the trackable and measurable items we implement in order to establish order. By creating a workable structure, we get our game plan, the playbook we want to implement that sets us up for developing the proper order which we'll cover next in day four. Having all of this in place is what will get us to the next phase of momentum and multiplication and the results of the specific seeds we're looking to replicate. Hey guys, if you're digging this content and you'd like to be a part of our community of kingdom entrepreneurs, then text the word king to 727-472-3860. We host virtual and in-person get-togethers with the focus of building community to advance the kingdom through wealth creation and financial stewardship. So if you're looking for this type of tribe and the resources to do so, then step into your true calling by texting the word KING to 727-472-3860. Chapter 5, Day 4 determining your order. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. 
And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly way. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. Main takeaway. Establishing the proper order for your business operations ensures you can scale and respond to needs effectively to sustain momentum in the next phase. The fourth day's activity confuses some as God created the sun, moon, and stars after he created light. Our human tendency is to see the sun, moon, and stars as the source of light, but as mentioned in day one, vision, God is light. These three sources of light are under God's rule. As it is written, the lights God created were set to rule the day and the night, the days and years, and the seasons. These lights that God created to rule over time and seasons are set to endure as long as the earth remains. Once again, God saw what he had created was good, and I believe it wasn't just in the physical qualities of these amazing heavenly bodies, but in the ordering and structuring of time he'd made possible through them. Success is all about the process. Although we can summarize a good basic business model in three steps, this isn't just about the second step in one, creating vision, purpose, two, developing strategy, process, and three, measuring impact, proof. We need to appreciate more fully the power of carefully ordering our business processes. As a kingdom entrepreneur, much of what sets us apart from others in the marketplace is not so much what we're offering or selling, though sometimes it is, it's how we're conducting our business. The way we structure and then order or arrange our work should be a bit different than the status quo. I've often taught that a great part of what distinguishes us from secular entrepreneurs is we know why we are called to create. We believe God has created us to share in his entrepreneurial process. We also know our identity is in Christ. We live lives that have been transformed by the gospel, having accepted the gift of salvation, and now we seek to bring God glory as our highest purpose. Another difference we have as Christians is that we steward creation rather than own it, acknowledging that God owns everything. We understand that he has entrusted these resources to us to steward effectively according to his purposes rather than our own. We do not worship work, but we worship with our work. We're not to make work an idol that steals our affections from God and robs us of time for community, family, and fitness. But we believe excellence matters. So we should follow the example of our Savior and seek excellence in every aspect of our daily life and strive to be willing versus willful, seeking to submit our will to God's rather than mistake our will for his. Before we move to discussing how to order our business, we should talk a little about this last point, because that's the trick. An entrepreneur needs to be on guard about being willful versus willing. Chip Ingram describes the paradigm as striving versus contending. In essence, all of God's work is going to be done in a hostile environment where the enemy seeks to thwart kingdom advancement. Therefore, it requires energy and focus and faith to move forward. But there's a difference between contending for the faith, what God has directed you to do, and striving. 
Contending means I bring all that I am in obedience to the Lord Jesus, but the outcomes are his. It's a position of dependency and entrusting the results and timing and funding to him. Striving is characterized by an internal pressure that I have to make this happen in my energy, in the timeline I believe is necessary, and in many cases, by the means that I think is best. Basically, contending is accompanied by peace and dependency. Striving is accompanied by anxiety and pressure. I like to say the way we implement proper order in business is by thinking of this as having goals with a deadline. When you want to establish the daily disciplines, routines, and action triggers within your business structure you've created, these are your first steps that get you to the next day of creation having to do with momentum. Don't get hung up on applying all of this just yet. If you've thought through your why, now's the time to think a bit about the how. It's often the case that ambitious people get caught up in being perfect when what's needed is to simply get some things done. I know from experience that rushing forward also encourages plagues of personal attitude, worry, doubt, fear, indecision, imposter syndrome, etc., Unlearning bad habits and letting go of the shadows of past failures can help you go further than learning a new strategy on how to do something. For example, you could learn how to run faster by diving into the science of running, or you can first take off the 40-pound backpack you've been carrying around for years. God's Establishing of Order Consider how on day four of creation, God created the ordering of heavenly bodies, the sun, moon, and stars, and declared them good as sources of light and as a way to mark the passage of time. And while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. It'd be easy to take this for granted as though he just pointed and poof, there was the sun. Who knows how this exactly took place, but whatever did happen, can we even imagine how incredible God is? Our solar system is well thought out, my friends. Earth is about 93 million miles away from the sun, exactly the right distance to hold the temperature between 0 degrees Celsius and 40 degrees Celsius on most of the Earth, the temperature needed to sustain most life. If we were just 5% closer to the sun, the oceans would boil and the water would all evaporate. If the earth was only 5% further away, the oceans would freeze. Also, if earth's speed of rotation about its own axis were any slower than it is, our days would be unbearably hot and our nights freezing cold. If the rotation were much faster, the wind would blow so strongly that you wouldn't be able to stand up in the open. The length of each day and night is also just right for the amount of sleep we need. The pull of gravity on the earth by the moon and the sun causes the tides, which cleanse the ocean's shores, help put oxygen that fish breathe into the water, and help keep the ocean currents moving, preventing the sea from becoming stagnant. The huge planet Jupiter, with its strong gravity, is in just the right position to pull many comets and meteors away from crashing into Earth and killing us all. I could go on and on, but God certainly knew what he was doing. The Bible says that his eternal power and divine nature can be seen from the things that he has made. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. Seasons of time are possible because of day four which I believe we need to appreciate in order to run a successful business. A good product in a target market is good, 
but it isn't enough. At some point, you'll want to take your business to the next level. A lot of entrepreneurs fail at this step, but it's crucial for establishing your process and creating momentum that will ultimately scale as you begin to multiply in days five and six. Ordering your business. Just starting is one of the most difficult seasons in any business, and it's important to remember that little saying that you cannot manage what you don't measure. God has given us the gift of time and the ability to track and measure things in order to manage them. In business, tracking and analyzing your metrics is critical to long-term success. What are business metrics? Simply put, they're the numbers showing you the vital data about your business processes. By regularly tracking and assessing the metrics, you can determine if your efforts are moving you towards success or failure. In general, there are two types of business metrics, operational and financial. Operational metrics are related to the performance of your employees as well as the overall efficiency of your business. They could be related to your turnaround time, production time, or the time it takes to respond to a customer's queries. Most teams work from a computer these days, so tracking performance levels could involve tracking employee computer activity. You can easily do this with a simple employee computer monitoring software, which doesn't have to be intrusive at all. The best computer system monitoring software on the market will act as a project tracking software as well, so you'll be able to check how much time your employees needed to finish every task within the project, and it will be easier to determine project profitability as well. The other metric to track is financial. Financial metrics include your profitability ratios, ROIs on marketing campaigns, sales figures, etc. You can track financial metrics by using billing and payment software. By doing so, you'll have all your incoming and outgoing payments in one place. Pair this up with the time tracking tool and you've got yourself a winner, especially if you're billing clients and paying employees by the hour. Why bother? Again, you can't manage what you don't measure. Tracking the right business metrics is vital to improving company performance. With so many possible business metrics, it's important to choose the ones that matter most to your business. Every business should track its performance in sales, marketing, finance, and human resources in order to know how it's doing and how it might improve performance. In order for you to make decisions, you need to rely on data. Metrics, as well as decisions based on them, are used for improvement. Additionally, they can help you shift your focus to your most important assets. You should use them as grounds for new financial and marketing strategies, as well as for improving relationships within your customers, distributors, and employees. Proper metrics should be giving you answers to the following questions. What were your results in the past? What are your goals for the future? Is there something that should be improved? What targets did you reach? Which targets did you miss? Once you have this data, it's important to know that you communicate these metrics and targets to your team clearly. It will be much easier for your team to shift their behavior and make changes during the working process so they can each reach their goal. It isn't very practical when you say, we need more sales, or we need to reduce the number of complaints. However, when you say, we need to reduce the number of complaints by 20% by the end of the quarter, your employees know exactly what you mean and that there's a measurable goal for achieving this. This is all part of the ordering of business, and we'll really begin to see how important order is when we get to day five, momentum. 
Hey guys, if you're digging our content and want more, then join our community at joinkingscouncil.com or simply text the word KING to 727-472-3860.